0: ready to rock and roll
1: yeah
0: anti-fragile jesus people anti-fragile fragile fragile anti-fragile jesus people check check
1: check Woo! oh that's loud am i loud no
0: you're good i mean that what that was loud but your voice sounds good (laughs) okay good Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is Frontier Church's podcast where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. In today's podcast, the one and only Joseph Donifro and I talk about anti-fragile Jesus people. Particularly, we talk about 10 theses, 10 things that anti-fragile Jesus people don't do. Bro. Hey.
1: Hey. Hi. It's been a really long time since I've done this.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. I thought this would be a fun one to do with you, though. Yeah. Since is, you're fragile.
1: This is good. I am.
0: No, you're not. <laughs> don't you're <break> anti-fragile. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've got I've got 10 theses, mm-hmm. uh, 10 things that anti-fragile Jesus people don't do. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read each of them individually, and we'll just talk about them. And you you can disagree with them. Sound good?
1: Oh, oh boy, my I'm, favorite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you can be like, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Or if okay. you do agree with it, we'll just riff off each other.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: 'Cause we didn't we didn't do any prep for this podcast. I
1: sure didn't. <laughs>
0: I wrote I wrote down this list of ten things anti fragile Jesus people don't do, like when we did our anti fragile Jesus people sermon series and yeah, I never like worked it into a sermon. So it's just kind of been sitting around.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: okay. I don't that know. It might fun. step
0: on people's toes too.
1: Well, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's right. good to have your toes stepped on every once in a while. Just so you remember they're there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, anytime you have a list of things like this, like don't do this, people's like legalism, smoke alarm goes off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I want you to know that even if you disagree with me or even if you do these things, like you should know that God loves you on the basis of Jesus's death for you alone, by grace through faith alone. Yeah. by grace through faith alone, that's that's what matters for to God and that's how God loves you. Um, but also we shouldn't ignore objective reality. Like there are things yeah. that are right to do and there are things that are wrong to do. And that's not the same yeah. as saying if you do these things, God will love you. And if you yeah. don't do these things, then God God won't love. You. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, hey, if you want to be an anti-fragile Jesus disciple, yeah, maybe don't do these things. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I felt like I needed to preface with that. That's good. But okay, before we jump in, what do you think? What does it mean to be an anti fragile Jesus person? I like that phrase, right? We used it for the podcast. Um what do you, what do you think of it? Is mm-hmm. that a helpful phrase? How would you describe it?
1: Um, I mean, I think I think it could be confusing for people. Like, what in the world is he talking about? Like anti fragile Jesus person. But it's I kind think, of mouthy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like in my mind, it's someone who is confident in their ability to um, know who they are in Jesus and to proclaim truths about who He is to them and to other people. What he what He loves about other people, how He loves other people, um, and and to be confident in who you are as a as a follower of Jesus, in my mind, that's what I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but mm, mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's not the best example, but or description, but yeah, I don't know. No, that's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, academically, the definition for um, anti anti fragility is mm-hmm. anything that gains from disorder. Mm. So, like, if you think about something that's weak. Or no sorry something that's fragile is something that breaks easily under pressure yeah. right and uh the misconception is that okay well the opposite of that is something that's strong mm-hmm. something that endures difficult things really well but that's actually not the opposite that's like the middle category mm-hmm. anti-fragility is the opposite of fragility right it's not yeah. just it's not just strong and endures yeah. it actually grows p- precisely because of the pressure mm. Right? So, if oh, fragility yeah. is something that breaks easily, anti fragility is actually something that gains from pressure or gains from disorder mm-hmm. or gains from from challenge. So, yeah. The analogy I use with my kids is the I think I mentioned this in a sermon. Do you remember the candle versus the fire?
1: Oh, vaguely. I do remember you talking about it.
0: It's a really simple parable, right? Yeah. Like, if you have a, if you have a candle. Yeah, and um, all of a sudden a strong wind comes along. What happens Mm -hmm. to the candle? It gets blown out.
1: out. See you later.
0: Um, With the bonfire, though, when a strong wind comes around, not only does it endure the wind, Mm. it it actually grows. That's good. Yeah, precisely because of the wind. Yeah, and uh, one -hmm. of the things I notice when I read the Bible is that Christians are the Christians are the fire and not the flame. Mm -hmm. So Paul says some some things like you know Romans eight that. God works together all things for our good yeah. for those who love him. Right? That's not that's not Jesus just saying that you're merely going to persevere through difficulty. That's yeah. Jesus saying, not only are you going to persevere through these difficult things, but it's going to be precisely because of these difficult things mm-hmm. that I can form you into my image. Yeah.
1: Well, and he was a perfect example of exactly what you're saying so many times. Pharisees, yeah. Sadducees come at him, and yes. he always took an opportunity to turn it around and say here's a parable, here's here's a story I'm going to tell you to help you understand and help everybody here understand why, not necessarily that you're wrong, but how to be a better follower of Jesus, because I am, I am, like that, you know, like if you think about it, like, yeah, yeah. They, they come against him constantly, and he right. always uses an opportunity to teach or preach, and it was always something that... Like you're saying, I'm thinking like, oh wow, yeah, he really did. He was the example of what he is calling us to be as anti-fragile Jesus people.
0: Yeah, dude, and like the cross is exactly yeah,
1: and that, that right? the ultimate example.
0: What's what's the most horrendous, difficult, hard thing that's ever happened in the cosmos? The crucifixion of God in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. and yet it's precisely out of that that redemption for mankind comes. Mm. You Oof. see it. You see it in Paul too, like. When Paul's running around the ancient world planting churches, um, not only can the forces that be not smother him out, but all of their attempts to actually stop him end up like growing his influence. Like when they imprison him, like he freaking saves the jail guards. Yeah. Right when they when they whip him, people are like, "Wow, Jesus must be real." Yeah. You know, there's uh, there's also like the classic uh, church father. I think Augustine who said, I might be wrong. One of the church fathers said. The blood of the martyr is the seed of the church.
1: Mm.
0: Right? When Rome tried to crucify Christians and kill them, mm-hmm. that's actually what spread the Christian move.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, man. Well, and then, I mean, you think about the church in China, underground church, like they're constantly trying, like they're trying to snuff them out. The government says, no, you can't be a Christian. And it's one of the largest churches in the world, totally unseen, but they love Jesus and they are, they will do anything to be able to worship together. I experienced that a little bit just being in India. Um, there was a group that we spent a lot of time with there and like part of their weekly prayer was to pray for the underground church in China because wow, cool. they, they recognize that their brothers and sisters, they're martyrs for the kingdom and they die daily. Because of their professing faith in Jesus. So, and it doesn't stop. It just gets bigger and bigger, you know? Mm. It's crazy.
0: Mm, That's good, man. This is why I wanted you on this podcast. (laughs) So let's do our 10 theses, dude. Let's do it. I'm going to read them and you say, I agree, I disagree, or why deal. Okay. Yeah. Thesis number one anti fragile Jesus people don't feel sorry for themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah? It, yeah. T- it took a little bit to say yes. Do you want to qualify? I just had, it no, not? I
1: just had to process what you said. Um well, yeah, I mean you if if you know if you know who you are in the Lord and he's given you all the tools to be um. To be a confident and, uh, I don't know, like
0: grounded. Believer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you. Why would you need to feel sorry for yourself? You could make mistakes and still be, like, a a very, I don't know, like, yeah, grounded leader and believer. I mean, that's. I don't think you need to be sorry for yourself when you make mistakes because Jesus has washed and cleansed us and he makes us white as snow. And so knowing who he is for us, um, yeah, there's no need to be sorry for yourself if you've done something wrong. You know, right. If you have confidence in who you are as a believer. Right. Sometimes that's hard, though, for people. And I recognize that. It's hard to be confident in yourself as a believer sometimes if you – I mean, I struggle with that still today, like, you know, especially being at Frontier. And I've talked about this before, maybe not necessarily on a podcast, but in times where, um, coming from a church background that isn't necessarily as, um, um, like theologically invested, theologically academic. yeah, Yeah. And then coming into Frontier, like I knew it was a good fit for my family because, I didn't have that ground or foundation that I could run on. Um, and that's something that I wanted to give my family and give myself was a place where I would grow theologically and I would be able to have conversations that were a little more mindful of like just breaking down scripture and being more understanding of that. And so, you know, that's, I don't know if that's totally on topic, but anyway
0: yeah, no that's good I think yeah. that's a great mentality to have right? and like that is a great example of being somebody who just doesn't feel sorry for themselves yes yeah. when you find yourself in a community that a lot of the people maybe have different values than you or look different act different than you, um, a lot of the times you can f- use it as an opportunity to feel sorry for yourself yeah what well, was me? poor me, Yeah. nobody has my background, nobody understands me. Or you could use it as an opportunity to stretch yourself and to grow, mm-hmm. right? And, and one is a mentality that's like, hey, let's focus on being like Jesus. Yeah. And the other is a victimhood mentality, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you begin to view yourself as... Whenever you have a, a difficult... Whenever something hard happens to you and you start yeah. to view yourself with a victimhood mentality, mm-hmm. right, I mean, you just shoot yourself in the foot, right? Everything... Yeah. I was uh one of my favorite shows, one of the characters was talking about going through a difficult season in his life, and he had a great sentence. He said, "You know somewhere along the way, I just decided to stop seeing that as something that happened to me mm-hmm. and to start seeing it as something that happened for me,
1: yeah, that's good,
0: and that doesn't mean that you have to pretend that um bad things are good, yeah, right it's it bad things happen to mm-hmm. you, and they should be." God cares about justice. We should call them bad. We should yeah. call them evil. We should call them wicked. Yeah. But yet God still uses those things for us. Yeah. And so while while Christians are people, I think, who can mourn mm-hmm. and should mourn, the biblical literature is filled with mourning, um, there's a difference between mourning and just feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: Okay. Thesis number two, then. Anti-fragile. An- it is a mouthful. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Anti-fragile Jesus people don't focus or obsess on what they can't control.
1: Hmm. Don't focus or obsess on what they can't control. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Let me give an example of what I think about. Hmm. Um, I think people who are fragile and will always end up hating their church in six months are people who focus on things that aren't inside of their control. So they go to church on Sunday, and they ask um, three questions. Did I like the preaching? Mm -hmm. Did I like the worship? And did people reach out to me? And when you evaluate church on the basis of those are all three of those things are things that you can't control. Yeah. You should care about the preaching. You should care about the worship. You should care about the people. Yeah. But when you obsess over those three things that are outside of your control, you're just always going to end up hating the church. Mm-hmm. But if instead you flip it and you focus on the things that you do control and you come to church and you mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm going to pray for somebody. Hey, I'm, I am I feel like I. the Lord gave me an encouraging word. I'm going to share that with somebody. Mm. I'm going to bring some donuts and give them out. Yeah. Right? I'm going to sit in the front row, and I'm going to worship hard no matter what. Yeah. I'm going to take notes. Even if the preaching is mediocre, I'm going to find a way to transform it into something that's helpful. When you focus on the things that you can control, you become anti-fragile. Yeah. Right? You just break when you focus on things that you can't control. Yeah. You feel You feel helpless.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mean, when we came to Frontier, you're right. You come in, and what's the first things you look at? You look at preaching, worship, and most definitely, like, were, were we invited? Like, did right. we be welcomed? Did people talk to us? Did we connect? Um. And then, like. The can control things, like you were saying. Even little things like, you know, raising your hands in worship or saying amen during a sermon or something. Like, you contribute to those things. Like, that's, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. I like that one.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like, it really does flip things if you're like, okay, did people pursue me Mm -hmm. versus... Did I pursue people? Yeah. Cause like the thing is is that Jesus literally says, I'll make you into fishers of men. Mm-hmm. So you're not a fish anymore. Yeah. Why are you acting like a fish? You come <laughs> yeah. on Sundays, you're like, hey, why aren't people coming after me? Cause you're the fisherman. Right? That's good. You pursue people now. Yeah. And um what happens when you have a bunch of people who see themselves as fish? Nobody pursues anybody. But when you have a a church filled with people who know that Jesus has made them into fishermen, Uh, that's when the magic happens, right? Yeah. things that you can control.
1: Yeah. Too many fish, not enough worms.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thesis number three. Um, Anti-fragile Jesus people don't worry about pleasing everyone. Ooh, that's kind of a tough one. What do you think? Hmm
1: ooh i mean ah that's that is a tough one cuz i think that people i mean people are people man even if you're an anti-fragile jesus person like you can totally get into your head you know and maybe because you think that you Should like, because of what you're saying or how you interact, it should just be pleasing to everyone. Yeah. And then if someone is not in agreement or doesn't, doesn't agree with what you're saying, like you, it's frustrating almost. It could be frustrating for someone who feels like they are anti-fragile Jesus person. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm right. I'm an anti fragile Jesus person. Like they get in their head about it, you know. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, that's a that's an interesting one. Yeah, I could so, see that being a dangerous place to be.
0: Yeah. So Paul says, um, if I if I were a pleaser of men, I couldn't be a servant to God. Like, what do you think is underneath that? Why hmm. Why can't you be both things? He treats them as binary categories that you have to choose one and not the other.
1: Uh, is it similar to, like, you can't love God and money, you can't serve two masters kind of a thing?
0: I think it's—yeah, I think it's close to Maybe
1: that. Maybe in that vein of a category. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, because you're valuing people over, like, what they think over what God actually thinks of you.
0: Right. And that'll kill you.
1: Very much so. <laughs> Quickly.
0: <laughs> one one way I think it kills you is if, if you become a rabid people pleaser and mm-hmm. your sole focus is to please people— um. Everything you do and say is the result of a calculation. So, like, you end up trying to calculate, like, well, what's Joseph going to think if I say this particular thing? Okay, well, what I'll try and do then is rather than Mm. say the true thing, I'll try and say the thing that I think is going to please and tickle Joseph's ears. Yeah. And um, so if you end up trying Mm. to please people, you end up being incapable of telling the truth.
1: Which is sinful.
0: Yeah. You can't please people and love them at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's not the right thing to say. Sometimes those two things do happen, but loving people has got to be the priority. Yeah. And also, like, if you're a leader in a fallen world, there's no decision that you can make that isn't going to frustrate some people because we live in a fallen world. So there's no perfect decision, right? Mm -hmm. Besides the decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. Um, And so if you make your decisions on the basis of, is this going to please everybody? It's going to crush you because the answer is always no. Yeah. So you spiral into indecision.
1: Yeah. And back to like loving people, I know that there are people that, that say like, like if I'm telling the truth, I'm loving them, even though it may hurt them, their feelings or whatever. Like that's, that's like dangerous ground. That's to play dangerous out. too. Cause that is very cause dangerous. Cause Paul
0: says, tell the truth <laughs> in, in love, love. Mm-hmm. So telling the truth isn't by itself loving. Yes. If it's not done in love.
1: Correct. But then it's, what is your perception of love? Like, how do you perceive that? Like, am I loving them by telling them the truth? Even though it may not,
0: that you know, like yeah. that's yeah. But Paul also defines that, right? He says yeah. love is patient, mm-hmm. kind, yeah. Doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. So isn't like, proud. Yeah, it isn't good. proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, love telling telling the truth is a component of love, but if it's not done in a way that's gentle, mm-hmm. Paul would say that's not love. Yeah. So I think you're right. I, I guess I'm agreeing with you.
1: Because the receiving end of it could also, like, there's you could do all of those things and still, on the other end of it, might still not be received in any positive way. Right. You know. Mm, uh, we digress.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. But we, we agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's go to uh, thesis number four. Okay. This is going to be a fun one. Anti-fragile Jesus people prefer adventure more than safety. Hmm. I guess another way of saying it is anti-fragile Jesus people don't fear taking risks.
1: Don't fear taking risks. Adventure over safety. Hmm. This could be another, like, getting in your head kind of thing. Overthinking. Mm, mm-hmm. Like you were saying previously. Um, yeah. I would. No, I don't know if I'd I'd agree necessarily. I might be, like, in the middle with it. Mm, mm-hmm. Cause do you feel like this is i mean it could be based off personality like dependent upon the person or does that have nothing to do with it personality has nothing to do with who you are as an anti-fragile Jesus person
0: Yeah I think I think it does I I think personality definitely definitely plays into it like I I think that you can definitely take stupid risks right yeah. and taking a yeah. risk isn't virtuous in and of itself and mm-hmm. being adventurous isn't virtuous in and of itself, but always playing it safe is also a dangerous thing to do in a mm-hmm. fallen world. So let me give you an example. Um, there was a pastor in uh, in the Des Moines area who had a building that I really wanted and could see <laughs> frontier in. Um this was a church of a, a church that's been around for over 100 years right they've mm-hmm. been in decline um they had about eight members and were about ready to fold up shop um they had been preoccupied with doing things the way that they'd always done things cuz that's how they've done things mm-hmm. and as a result they never took risks on the next generation they never took risks on developing and building up other leaders. And yeah. when you don't take risks like that, and developing and training a next leader from the next generation is always a risk, man, because you don't yeah. know the future. Yeah. And so you can deposit a lot of authority um, and time and energy and effort some, and it can just fall apart. So it's a huge risk. And so when churches don't do that, you understand mm-hmm. why. They're playing it safe. But you also don't hand off the baton to the next generation. And because of that – your church probably dies with you like this church ended up doing. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be honest, it seems like a great dude, um, but a fragile dude. Like in my conversations with him, the majority of the conversation was like, this dude's been serving Jesus for like, he's like in his 70s, right? So it's kind of like, what do I know? But the majority of my conversation with him was, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be pastoring in this climate you know mm. people just they don't value church like they used to, and yeah, and it's like man, maybe the reason why our generation doesn't value church is because of the way that you did church,,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh i yeah, I think that playing it safe is sometimes disastrous,
1: yeah, I mean. You have to imagine that, like, early on, the fire was there.
0: Yeah. And
1: then it just starts to diminish over time. But you wonder, like, you're right. Like, was he just on fire for a time and then slowly became less of an anti-fragile Jesus person? Or any pastor, for that matter, like, you just get worn down and worn down and you don't have the proper systems and processes set up to like sustain something L- like taking care of your children so that they can be the next generation that takes over the church.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you set up those things to make this a thriving place for hundreds of years to come? Hopefully. Well, hopefully Jesus comes back before then, but I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you, you just kind of, you kind of wonder and and then what at what point does the anti-fragile Jesus person stop taking risks? What causes that change or change in trajectory for their life?
0: Yeah, I think it's getting hurt mm. and viewing yeah. yourself as fragile. Yeah. So I I bet I bet it happened this way. I, I don't this happens when you develop leaders. You yeah. you take time and energy and effort. Mm-hmm. and you put that in developing a young leader. Yeah. They go through the process which takes a lot of your affection and time yeah. time and energy. You throw a lot of yourself in this person and then you give them the responsibility of leadership and they drop it sometimes. Yeah. They fumble it. Mm-hmm. Or worse, they use the authority to turn against you and hurt you. Yeah. They use the platform mm-hmm. to criticize you. Yeah, and so you say, "Well, I'm, I'm. If this is what developing leaders is doing, I'm done. I'm not taking any risks. I'm going to play mm. it safe." Yeah, and you just operate out of your woundedness rather than operating out of trust,
1: man. And taking ownership and leadership in those situations has got to be hard.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Saying, "You dropped the ball. It's my fault."
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you turned you turned on me and you're criticizing me. That's my fault. Right. Like that, that's an anti-fragile Jesus person that could own it and say that in the midst of being criticized and, and having to fix the the ball that was dropped, having to pick it up and be like, whoa, 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 this is my fault. Don't look at him because then you're, that is sustainable. That's sustaining mm-hmm. that person. It's yeah. taking a toll on you. But if you have the right processes and systems in place and people in your life, relationships that that build you up and help you in those in those times, then it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's just being mindful of those things. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be brutal.
0: Yeah, man. It's also good leadership though. Yeah. Yeah. I read one time in a book this was fantastic. He, the the author said the leader in every environment is the person who isn't blaming anybody else. Mm. So in every I don't care if you have the position of leadership or not. Yeah. The functional leader is the person who takes radical responsibility even sometimes for things that she didn't do. Yeah. You know, I don't Yeah, and then that transforms those failures. Yeah, into uh, moments where it's not evidence that well, I'm just not developing leaders anymore. I'm not going to take any risks. It no longer becomes evidence of that, and instead it becomes opportunities to learn. Yeah, because another author I really like has a great quote where he says, "Um, he says growth isn't just experience. Mm. A lot of people uh, don't grow." in their lifetimes. They actually experience regression, emotional, mm. spiritual regression over the course of their lifetime. So it's not a dependable model to think, well, the longer I live, the more I'm going to grow. That's, that's not dependable. Yeah. He, so he got, he has the equation. It's failure plus reflection equals growth. Mm. Failure itself doesn't, you know, it, it equate to growth. You cannot learn from that. It's failure plus conscious, deliberate effort to look at your failure and learn from it and reflect on it that I think ends up producing growth. Hmm. Um, That's good. You don't get that if you look at your failures and say, well, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. So.
1: Hmm.
0: Let's keep talking. Okay. Here's thesis number five. Anti-fragile Jesus people don't dwell on the past. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. I mean, I see that. If you're you're focused on, it's just just what you said. You see your failure, you reflect on it, you move forward.
0: Yeah. And that's how I distinguish learning from your past versus dwelling on your past, right? You should learn from your past. Your family dynamics, they shape the way that you are. Absolutely. Early childhood stories, they shape the way that you are. All that stuff is like super important and you should... You should learn from all of that. Dwelling, though, is locking yourself into those previous experiences that, you know, become a barrier to you living like a new creation. So Yeah. Cool. Let's go thesis number six, then. Anti-fragile Jesus people... (laughs) Anti-fragile Jesus people don't resent other people's joy. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I think anti-fragile Jesus people don't resent other people's joy, but they see other people's joy and they they ask the questions, how do I get there? Mm. How do I get to that point if I'm not there? How do I like, join in unison with that or become part of that. And, yeah, I like that. I like that one a lot. That's good.
0: Yeah, you know, Paul says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice. But Mm. there's a Puritan professor. He's still alive, David Murray. He he wrote a book uh, called The Happy Christian. Mm. And uh, he noted one study that, I can't substantiate this claim. I think it's probably true. Um, he said that the single greatest predictor of happiness is your ability to rejoice in other people's successes.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So
0: if you uh, if you resent other people's successes or mm-hmm. if you resent other people's joy, yeah, that's that's the formula to an unhappy life. Like if you see if you see Joseph Donafril, just rejoicing in the Lord on Sundays. Yeah. Like gushing about Jesus, delighting in Jesus, being faithful to God's word. That's a delight in the Lord. Yeah. And you say, I bet that's fake. Mm. A, how do you know that? You don't even know your own motives, bro. Yeah. And B, that crap right there is going to doom you to a life of joylessness.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: 'Cause this is really scary, but sometimes on health can get so bad mm-hmm. in people that one of the single like greatest indicators of on health is that they they can't tolerate the presence of health. Mm-hmm. So you get to a point where when you bump into a family that's healthy. Yeah. Kids love each other, right? Mom and dad love each other. You can't even be in the presence. You're like, ah, oh, these guys are just so fake. That's tough. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Jeez. You got to be able to rejoice in other people's joy and mourn when other people mourn.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh... a... <laughs> Yeah, that's, it. I don't know if I've ever been at that point where I'm like, like, can't believe that guy. Mm. You know, maybe I have, and I've had to repent of it. I don't know if I can think of it. I I can think of people and situations I've been in, especially in the church, where in my time at the House of Prayer in Kansas City, they had a, a big outpouring of the Spirit is what they would have called it, and... It was a lot of stuff going on, and people were experiencing the Holy Spirit in a bunch of different ways. And you know, it's like you walk into a room, and there's some crazy stuff going on. You're like, "What in the world's happening?" And you're like, "Is this guy actually experiencing Jesus?" And the leadership oh, yeah, was good. the the leadership was definitely wise in just that, like. We don't know what everybody's experiencing, and it may look crazy to you. But we're not going to tell someone to stop doing something because we don't think that they're actually experiencing Jesus and the Holy Spirit in this time. We're just going to trust that they're encountering the Lord in whatever way that looks like for them, and then we're going to move on. And we're going to rejoice that the Lord may be doing something in their heart and if they're not true to themselves and what's happening with them and Jesus, then that's on them. And that's for them to, to have to recall and dialect, like talk with the Lord about in their, in their time with Jesus and in their quiet time. And so that was, I mean, that for me was a really pivotal point because I grew up seeing some pretty wild stuff. And then I ended up in this place and I was like, what the heck is going on? Mm. This is nutso. So and, and, That leadership was right. It was like, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on with this person. I'm just going to focus on me and Jesus. And I'm going to rejoice that, like, maybe there's something great going on with that guy over there that's doing crazy stuff. And we're just going to keep moving on with our walks with the Lord. And maybe I'll have time to dialogue with him about it later. And he could tell me what was going on. Yeah. Or not, you know. But I'm just excited that Jesus is moving and the Holy Spirit is like working on people's hearts in the room. So,
0: yeah. Because Romans says, love believes all things. Mm -hmm. And I don't take that to mean that we should be naive. I don't take that to Mm -hmm. mean that we should be ignorant. Mm -hmm. But at the bare minimum, I do take that to mean that you should give your brothers and sisters in Christ the benefit of the doubt unless you have really, really, really good reason not to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have biblical, like, text to stand on, say, this is not right. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. okay.
0: that's Yeah, and that's a great reason. Yeah. Yeah. So. I did not. <laughs> 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 Let's keep moving, man. We're on to thesis uh, number seven. Anti-fragile Jesus people don't give up after failure. True. We already kind of talked about that, didn't yeah. we? But that's good. Yeah. Failure plus reflection equals mm-hmm. growth.
1: That's just seeming to be the theme here. Starting to be, yeah, it's
0: good. Just because you failed at, at your Bible reading plan this year doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean that it was a bad idea, and it yeah. doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Yeah, right. Get back on the horse.
1: Yeah, that is something. Just that quickly, at at the house of prayer, the same leader that had pretty big influence in this place, he would always say this, in a, probably a lot about like Bible reading plans. He's like, just hit reset and start. Start from where you were. Just keep hitting reset. If you have to, that's fine. Jesus doesn't look at your failures as like restart, like from the very beginning. He's like, start where you were and keep moving forward because that's where I have you and that's where I'm with you. So
2: Hmm,
0: That's good, man. Thesis number eight. Anti-fragile Jesus people don't feel that the world owes them anything.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think they feel the world owes them anything. Mm. Um. I mean, you could get really like deep into that. Probably it depends on. And I'm being really like thought provoking on it, but what is the world? Are you re- are we referring to? the world as like the people in the world or like even even mm. the rocks cry out you know like yeah like when i'm walking in a field like should i experience the presence of the Lord just in my time walking in this field. I mean, I'm getting really yeah. froofy and weird hippie vibes going on. No, but...
0: that's good. Let me can I clarify real <laughs> yeah. quickly? So there's three different usages of the the word world in the Bible. Yeah. And if you don't understand that, then the Bible contradicts itself. Yeah. It doesn't, because it's the word of God. But yeah. the Bible says that God loved the world, mm-hmm. that you should not love the world, yeah. and that the world is beautiful. All Mm. three of those things are true. Because the Bible uses the Mm. word world, number one, to describe the earth sometimes. But it uses the word world, number two, as the people that inhabit the world. Mm -hmm. God loved the world. Yeah. But the Bible also uses the word world as a system that Satan runs and operates. Mm. You should not love the world. Yeah. So I think asking which of those three I'm talking about is a pretty good question. Yeah,
1: there you go. Um Uh.
0: Well let's talk about let's talk about the second usage
1: the God so the loved people. the people yeah yeah no the people don't owe me anything especially if you have a kingdom mindset like if you're looking to mm. if you're looking to the throne of the, of of the living king and you recognize like like we are truly
0: um Is that Jay Oh, hey, come sit down, man. We're finishing a podcast Jay. right now. Oh, We'll try and be done in five minutes. Sound good? Yeah, sure. Can you say hi?
2: Hey, it's Jay. I don't know what the subject is, but I'm excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs>
0: We're, I wrote ten theses um, of what anti-fragile Jesus people don't do. Ooh. So we've been going through each one. We're down to the last uh, two or three. Yeah. Um, so we can be done in five minutes. We can also pass you the microphone if you want to answer, though. Oh man! Actually, let's do that. Let's do yeah, that. Let's let do me that. let me get this thing out of here. Okay. Um, here I'm going to unplug oh, it. Boof. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Is that still recording? Give me. I, let me put on my headphones. Check one, two. Check filet sandwich. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Um, thesis number eight that we're on right now is anti-fragile Jesus people. Don't feel that the world owes them anything. Is that true or false, and why?
2: Oh, you passed me the mic first, bro. (laughs) We We started. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! All right, I have no um, I have no prep for this. So, anti-fragile Jesus people do not feel that the world owes them anything. Nothing. Nothing. Um, I would say. I would say that we have a longing that the world will owe us something because of the new creation, because um, the the bride, Mm -hmm. the new Mm -hmm. Jerusalem will come and there will be a new heavens and earth. So in one sense, we don't expect anything from the world because it is fallen right now. Mm -hmm. But we Mm -hmm. expect a lot from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is making all things new. That's good. Dude, you just,
0: you blended together the three <laughs> yeah. usages of the, we were just talking about the, the three different usages of the word world in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, number one, as the earth, mm. number two, as the people who inhabit it, and number three, as a system that Satan owns and operates, mm-hmm. which is why the Bible doesn't contradict itself when it says God loves the world, you shouldn't love the world, and the world is beautiful. So what you just did was like, answer the question by saying, you're going to inherit the world yeah, but the system of people doesn't owe you anything. Yeah, that was good. Oh. That's good. That was good. That was good. I think about what Paul says when he when he refers to himself and his identity in Christ as a debtor mm. because of what Jesus has done. Yeah, and so he sees apparently himself as somebody who owes everyone everything because of everything that Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what allows him to continue to get the crap and snot beat out of him without feeling sorry for himself. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, man, I'm a debtor. Mm. What are you going to do? Punch me again? Jesus Mm -hmm. died for my sins. Yeah. So, okay. Thesis number nine, anti-fragile Jesus people don't expect immediate results. True or false? Mm.
1: I mean, I could see, I could see expectations being high um what do you
2: think oh i yeah, i went to a seminar i can never get a straight answer on anything i'd say <laughs> 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 i'd say um there's there's immediate results that we expect and then there's um more gradual ones so if you look at when a, when um a child of god accepts the gospel you are immediately put in this beautiful position of being justified. You are immediately put in this mm. beautiful position of being adopted. Mm. But then, dang, gradually. Yeah. Gradually. <laughs> one degree of glory to another. Um, but then then you die one day, and mm. boom. Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. And that is an immediate. Mm. So if, if you want immediacy, then die. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. As a Christian. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Um, yeah, so that's that's my answer on that subject. What do, you,
0: what
1: do you got? Not a fro? No, that's... I like that. That's... I mean, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, immediate results... Like, context is everything, though. Yeah. I um, know. Yeah, like, what are you... What's happening what what result do you expect from what i mean like is it in leadership is it in development is it in um like home life or i mean that there's yeah, so many yeah. things um I like that though i I really like your answers totally thinks differently than i'm <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: What if we frame it in terms of the spiritual disciplines?
1: Mm. That is interesting to think. I've put in all this time in my prayer closet and nothing seems to happen. Like you know, like that's that's tough.
0: You know, our generation has kind of been accused of like the immediacy generation. Yeah. That you know, take something like okay, I'm going to try the discipline of fasting. Mm-hmm. So many people try it and 1 p.m. comes around, and they're like, oh, I'm freaking hungry, and they they break their fast, and they mm-hmm. beat themselves up, and they're like, well, I didn't experience anything, so I guess I'm just not going to do this thing yeah. that is commanded for us to do in the Old and New Testament. Yeah. Um, and I, well, I think that just makes a really fragile person. Yeah. I think it makes you fragile.
1: If, if I pray for healing, you said you would heal me. Like, I mean, when does that come? Because, mm-hmm. it, I mean... Some some people would say like yeah, you're not believing enough, so therefore you're not healed. And I mean from what I've experienced it's like if that's mine. Wait, that's yours. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was about to drink your bubbly. If if you truly understand even the context of that statement in the Bible, like um like Jesus will heal us, that I think comes Maybe in the immediate now, but also in our glorified body, we will be healed and delivered of all sin and pain and suffering at that moment. And so um, believing in healing falls short where believing in Jesus is life-giving and truth and, and so all the things. And so, I mean, there's that example, too, that I think is really it's hard. It can be very hard.
2: Mm.
0: Bro, we were talking healing mm-hmm. at Community Group. I yeah. can't remember who said this. It was freaking great. <laughs> but obviously, we were talking about like what happens when we pray for healing and mm-hmm. we don't expect, you know, you know that conversation. And uh, somebody said, I think maybe it was Emily, mm-hmm. was like, Jesus never says no to healing. Mm-hmm. He either says yes or later. Yeah. I was like, ah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whew. That's good. Well,
0: let's move to the last thesis. Then. Okay. Okay. The last thesis is more theological than the other nine. Um, but anti-fragile Jesus people believe in the perseverance of the saints. So they believe that God is committed to persevering their salvation from the moment they believe Jesus into the new creation, and that those who trust in Jesus will never fall away from him fully and finally. And so when you believe that, you start to see yourself as what Paul would say as the poetry and handiwork of God, and you stop seeing yourself as something that's fragile, fragile, and easily breakable. So yeah. that that'd be my thesis. What do you guys think?
2: Hmm. I would say at this table, yes and amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like so excited about it. Sitting sitting at a deathbed, sitting at a gravestone of someone mm-hmm. who fell away. It's a lot harder when the rubber meets the road there. Amen. So Yeah, I mean in our camp we've we've got two things that we'd say to that. Either they never actually believed and it was all a facade. Mm-hmm. Or um, or they did believe Jesus upheld them, and they will be in glory. But man, that is those are hard. It's moments. really hard, yeah. Because mm-hmm.
1: you can, yeah. Mm. It's so interesting, like because when I, when I was growing up, I lived. I've told you, I've talked to you about this a little bit. Like I've, I grew up living in fear that I could lose my salvation. So I would ask Jesus into my heart all the time, and you just I, there was just just a constant like struggle within me. Like, am I actually saved? Does Jesus actually love me? Oh my goodness, I made a mistake. So now I'm gonna like go to hell, and and the the like you said the truth of knowing that he is going to persevere the saints into glory. Like there is a lot of freedom in that, and like you can take a breath, but. As well as, like, oh, man, you're you're on the deathbed right now, and, like, is just saying yes enough to get you to that point? Like, it's hard. That's really tough. And, I mean, I've seen many people, and and like you said, like, ask the question, like, were they actually a believer from the beginning or did they just live in the facade for their whole
0: lives? Okay, can I provide maybe some categories for this yes, for our conversation it sounds like what we're saying is we agree with the statement anti-fragile jesus people believe in perseverance of the saints mm-hmm. um it's an easy answer theologically yeah. those whom he foreknew he predestined those who he predestined he called those who he called he justified those who he justified he glorified yeah or you know jesus says um those who went from us were never among us mm. theologically it's an easy answer what you're saying is experientially it's tough. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's helpful. Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: good. I guess, you know... Yeah, do it. And you you talked, you shared the, your personal experience mm-hmm. of like the consequences of not believing that God perseveres those with saving faith until the very end. And one of the consequences is that it actually radically alters the way that you view yourself and the way that you conceptualize yourself. Like so big. There have been tons of studies that have been done. I I really don't need to like cite any specific one, but there have been tons of studies that have been done that show that when a person views themselves as a victim, they constantly interpret themselves in every hard situation as the victim of that situation. Mm-hmm. That's disastrous. And so I guess like one of the ways you if you don't view yourself as kept by Jesus anti-fragile, because you are a temple of the living God and the spirit dwells within you, you start to view yourself as a freaking latex balloon Mm. that can be easily popped. Yeah. And when you view yourself as a, a rugged football Mm-hmm. You're not afraid of getting thrown around. You're not afraid of whatever happens to you because it's what you were made for. Mm-hmm. But if you view yourself as a balloon, everything looks like a sharp edge. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. you live your life on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Following Jesus feels like you're tiptoeing around on thin ice. Because, man, what if you—you you better not read that book because what if they have the argument? You mm-hmm. might pop. Right? And uh I think that well when you well, when you view yourself that way, you stop you stop viewing yourself as an offensive player. Yeah. Which is how Jesus views you, right? The gates of hell will not prevail against yeah. us. We're gonna move forward. We're on mission. We're taking the message to the world. You start to see yourself as a defensive player. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't I don't want them to score on me. I might pop easily. Yeah. Um so I rest my case. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. We did it. <laughs> those, are our ten, those are my 10 theses. Touchdown. Sorry, I, I hope I wasn't mean in this podcast. I, I feel like I was really like, hey, you don't be a fragile person. Well. I just want to be helpful. Yeah. So Jesus loves you it, no matter what on the basis of his own work for you, not how tough you think you are. Yeah, but still, don't do those things. <laughs> well, it helps. To, it helps to know, what, yeah. what
1: is, what is, fragile versus anti-fragile. How do right. I become more like this person rather than this person that I feel like maybe I am? You know, maybe I am fragile in certain situations. Mm. Oh, well, here's something to listen to, to at least to give you an idea of how to maybe be someone who isn't fragile. Yeah,
0: yeah. and
1: and who can still be loving and kind and caring. Because, like you said, to be anti-fragile doesn't mean you have to be like a boulder, like going through the church, to just hitting anybody right. you come into contact. Exactly. with. Exactly. There's there's so much more to it than that. You can be a boulder if you want, but it's just going to cause problems. And every once in a while, so.
0: <laughs> in the way that you see yourself matters. Yeah. You know, yeah. to go back to the anti-fragile illustration of the flame mm-hmm. and and the fire. Like, you got to realize you're not a a little flame on a candle. When the wind comes, it's not going to blow you out. Yeah. And uh, in fact, not only is it not going to blow you out, but it's going to provide you paradoxically with the very oxygen that's going to grow you because you're a bonfire in Christ. So when the wind comes, yeah, mourn. Yeah. When the wind comes, yeah, like, you, you biblically mourn, mm-hmm. lament, yeah, but don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't be afraid that's going to break you. Receive the wind with the knowledge that in Christ it's going to provide you with oxygen that grows you into the shape of the crucified
2: Christ. So. Yeah. Ooh, can yeah go go, go for go. anyone like me who's almost started a forest fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> wind not only strengthens the fire; it moves it in the right direction. Mm. So. Sometimes, yeah. in, many times in your life, um, it's, God will use tragedy to grow you and put you in the right direction. Yeah, uh, with C.S. Lewis say, uh, "Tragedy is his megaphone into a deaf world." Mm. So, uh, yeah.
0: that's good. Tragedy is his megaphone into a deaf world. I
2: think so. It, yeah. Put me on the spot here.
0: I can't top that. Let's end with that. Yeah, we love you, Church.
1: Q eighties music.
0: Ha ha ha